Welcome to a New Testament journey. We'll have our Bible reading followed by our devotional. Chapter 7 When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion's servant, who his master valued highly, was ill and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I do not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the town were with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the buyer they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, illnesses and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right, because they had been baptised by John. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves, because they had not been baptised by John. Jesus went on to say, To what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other. 
We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine. And you say he has a demon. The son of man came here eating and drinking. And you say here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured her perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now... Which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. If I was round a friend's house and a sex worker wandered in and started caressing my feet, I suspect I would feel a tad uncomfortable. If she then started sobbing and lathing me in perfume, I would be gathering up my stuff and skedaddling for the exit. The fact that Jesus sits relaxed and smiling while this excruciating scene is unfolding is an astonishing display of his security. The fact that Jesus then praises this woman and rebukes the much more sensibly behaved diners is shocking, to say the least. Who really behaves like this? Who do you know who actually changes people's lives while they nibble then tiramisu? When we allow these stories about Jesus to come to life in our imagination, we realise there was something about Jesus' shalom-filled presence that caused people's true natures to be exposed. The way he did stuff, the way he treated people, caused the most polished presentations of themselves to crack apart and their deepest secrets to be laid bare. And then, when the exposure had been made, Jesus would issue a stunning act of forgiveness or an equally stunning call to repent. Jesus seemed happy to challenge the proud because they might actually listen and then they would come to life. But Jesus really delighted when humble hearts were laid bare before him because it enabled him to pour the healing of the Spirit into their salivating souls. Jesus drew people close so he could actually change their lives.
Indeed, when then John the Baptist starts to doubt that Jesus had really brought the kingdom, it was the changed lives that Jesus pointed to as evidence of his kingship. And this is why we love Jesus, isn't it? Not because he is comfortable to be around. He isn't. But because he changes us and he wants to keep on changing us. We come ashamed, exposed, wrenched apart by our lives. And then he looks at us with love, speaks a word of forgiveness and washes away our shame. And at times it's others that Jesus wants to change through us. Jesus trusts us enough to give us precious moments when someone's deepest self is exposed so he can use our grace-imbued words, our love-defined response to usher them into new life. What Luke wants us to realise is that this person-after-person transformation, this grubby work of seeing people's shame and seeing it washed away, is the highest pinnacle of ministry of the kingdom. Jesus loves to change people's lives. Here's a question for reflection. Have you exposed your deepest shame to Jesus? What does he say to you about it? We pray God's word bears fruit in your life. For all the information about the New Testament journey, head to www.anewtestamentjourney.net.